Good morning. <laughs> um, and I can't come. We're going to be in Malone that Sunday. But we are glad to be here today in Katyville. And glad to see each one of you survived the cold yesterday. Quite a day. We traveled up here yesterday and uh, we watched the temperature get a little warmer. And we saw it, we had a degree, and we were thankful. And then it went back down to zero. And I said, honey, it can't be cold. There's no temperature. <laughs> so we're glad to be with you here again today. I'm going to be uh, sharing a, a message that I've done about Mr. Impossible from Saul to Paul. And it's from Acts 1 through 9, and I'm also going to use Paul's own testimony about this event back in Acts chapter 26. Um, I remember coming to the Wesleyan Church in Cherryville, Pennsylvania. When I was 12 years old, we moved from the Nazarene Church, and there was this little lady who taught the adult Sunday school class. Her name was Isabel, Isabel Connect. I was just young, but for whatever reason, I was sitting in that class one day when I heard her say this. When God wants to do something wonderful, he begins with a difficulty. But when God wants to do something really wonderful, he begins with an impossibility. Now, you don't got to raise your hand. Do you know any impossible people? Yes, I, I imagine so. Or cases. Do you have one of them on your prayer list? I just added one I thought of just recently. In Luke chapter 18, verse 27, Jesus said... The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I reminded you the last time I was here, my word for the year is possible. And I am reminded that with God, everything is possible. God specializes in the impossible. In today's message the one called by name was Saul. He was known for enchaining the Christians, putting them in chains. He was angry against the church. Mr. Impossible, from Saul to Paul. And the one thing I want you and I want my spirit to receive in this, is we need to be remember in this troubled world where there's a lot of wrongs and a lot of things that seem impossible, we need to remember God specializes in the impossible. First of all, he specializes in the impossible to reach. Those people that are impossible to reach. I believe with all my heart, Jesus had, his, had a plan for this hard case 
named Saul. In that scripture that was read from us from Acts 9, Saul was still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. When did it start? When the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was stoned to death. At that stoning, in Acts chapter 7, beginning at 54, verse 54, we read these words. When they heard these things, they were, enra they were enraged in their hearts and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, filled with the Holy Ghost, gazed into heaven. He saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they screamed at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed at him. They threw him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep. That was Saul's start. With the other men, he was agreeing, covering his ears, I don't want to hear about Jesus, screaming at the top of their lungs, gnashing at Stephen, so to speak, with their teeth. Saul was seething mad. Listen to the beginning of chapter 8. Saul agreed with putting Stephen to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison so to speak, in chains. Paul chained Christian after Christian. However, Saul couldn't chain the Christ, the resurrected Lord. I love that scripture that says, since he died once for us, he cannot die again. Saul could not lay chains on the risen Christ. Saul tried to stamp out the fire of the Holy Spirit in the early church. He tried, but listen to the next verse in chapter 8, verse 4. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the message of the good news. Those who knew Christ as their Savior kept showing it and kept the joy in their heart, and kept telling it wherever they were scattered. No matter what happens, they can't chain Christ's church. They can't change your spirit if you keep the resurrected Lord first and foremost in your life. 
Saul tried to stamp out the fire of the Holy Spirit in the early church, but he didn't succeed. Listen to Paul's testimony in his own words in Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11, when he was testifying to King Agrippa in chains. In fact, I myself supposed it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus, the Nazarene. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison, since I had authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In all the synagogues, I often tried to make the disciples blaspheme or curse by punishing them. I even pursued them to foreign cities, since I was greatly enraged at them. Paul was angry, seething mad against the church. Some would say impossible to reach. But notice God's plan reached him. It was impossible to time this perfectly, but God did it. Verse 3 of our text tells us that as they neared Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Only God could time it. Coming right near to Damascus. In Acts chapter 26, verse 13, Paul tells King Agrippa, it was at midday when I neared Damascus, ready to chain Christians and take them back to Jerusalem, put them in prison. A light shone from heaven. I believe with all my heart, church, no preacher, no evangelist, no grandmother could have gotten through to Paul. But the things that are impossible with men are what? Possible with God. I remember traveling one day in my car, and this will date me a little bit, I was listening to a cassette tape in the radio. And when I started listening to it, it was on God reaching prodigals. And my ears tuned into that tape because my wife and I had a couple sons that were prodigal at that time. And I remember this one pastor saying this. He was on the other coast in California. He said, and it went right through my heart. God has a thousand ways of reaching the prodigal. And when I heard that, something stole in my heart that God has more ways than I know of to reach people. And it greatly encouraged me. All I know is this, one of our sons 
who was prodigal and spent a weekend in prison in the county jail is now playing the drums on our worship team at our home church. Oh, church, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. One of my favorite stories to read is about Jim Cimbala, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. He had a prodigal daughter named Chrissy. She moved out, got far away from God, Jim, her dad, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, had such a burden for her. He was crying for days and pouring out his heart. And, and, and he said, God, I, I have to leave it up to you to reach her. They have a big prayer meeting where they gather for prayer in the Brooklyn Tabernacle on Tuesday nights. And he said Tuesday they went to gather for prayer and they were he was leading it and praying for different individuals when the usher handed him a note and said, the note said this, Pastor Simbala, I feel impressed that we should stop the meeting and all pray for your daughter. Jim Simbala said he hesitated, but he knew this lady and she had an ear for the Spirit of God, so they stopped the meeting. And he asked one of his assistant pastors to lead in prayer. He was too broken. He had shed too many tears. And he laid his back, his hand on the back of this assistant pastor as he prayed. And he said, what happened next is hard to describe. Like the worship team saying, the Holy Spirit came and filled that place. You could almost touched the presence of the Lord and he said it was almost like a labor room you know the the groaning and the cry a mother makes when she's delivering a child into the world great groans were going up to God for Chrissy he said when he came home late that night his wife was sitting up late waiting for him and made some coffee and they sat together and Jim said to his wife, it's over. What do you mean, it's over? If there's a God in heaven, Chrissy is coming back. 32 hours later, he was shaving on Thursday morning when his wife burst into the bathroom and said, Chrissy's here, Chrissy's here. She wants to see you, she's downstairs. So he wiped the shaving cream off of his face, came downstairs. As I came in around the corner, I saw my daughter on the kitchen floor, rocking on her hands and knees, sobbing. Cautiously, I spoke her name, Chrissy? She grabbed my pant leg and began pouring out her anguish. 
Daddy, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you. And Mommy, please forgive me. He said, suddenly she drew back and said, Daddy, she said with a start, who was praying for me Tuesday night? Who was praying for me? That's the night I saw I was headed for an abyss, a bottomless, hopeless pit with no hope when I realized I needed Jesus. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. The third thought I had about this passage on Paul is it was impossible to hide. In that passage, our text for today, Acts chapter 9, we read in the second part of verse 3 that when a light flashed from heaven, and then verse 4, falling to the ground, he said in a voice uh, trembling, uh, Paul was trembling while the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus knew exactly where Saul was, and he couldn't hide from Jesus. He knew he was just ready to enter Damascus and change other Christian, chain other Christians, but God knew it was time. People can try to hide from the gospel. People can try to hide from conviction. But the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Verse 4 tells us that God turned on his light and he called Saul by name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I believe the chains that he was taking to chain other Christians <coughs> fell to the ground as he knelt. Who, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. I believe at that moment Saul remembered Stephen. Remember when he knelt and here's Saul kneeling? He saw Stephen kneel and look up to heaven and said, I see the glory of God in Jesus standing, the resurrected Lord. And now Saul is kneeling. And he hears, I am Jesus. I'm the same resurrected Lord that Stephen saw. Saul could hide no longer. I believe, church, that God can Speak to people, young or old, <laughs> soft or hard, even those that seem impossible for us. Recently, I was reading in the devotional, and it greatly encouraged my heart, and it was this line, God can save anyone, anytime, in any way that he chooses. And there's Saul kneeling 
like Stephen knelt. And he later testifies in 1 Corinthians 15 when he talks about the resurrection and seen by Peter and by the twelve. And then he said, last of all, he was seen by me. I saw the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus. You can't hide from the Lord. I believe if we've seen one real example of a Christian, Christ living within the heart of a believer, my friends, it's hard to escape. And I believe Saul couldn't hide anymore when he said, who are you, Lord? Listen to Acts chapter 26, verse 15 through 18. Paul, again, before King Agrippa. Then I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you a service servant and a witness of what you have seen and of what I will reveal to you. I will rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles. I now send you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that by faith in me they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified. I smiled when I read that scripture because Paul is kneeling on the ground and he's blind after seeing Jesus. The Bible says God dwells in light so brilliant, you know, you can't even approach him. He's blinded by seeing the risen Christ and he can't see anymore. And the Holy Spirit says, I have a job for you. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles and turn them from darkness to light, from blindness to see the living God. And Paul is just awestruck. Saul's name was changed. Acts 13 verse 9 says, from Saul to Paul, like Jacob was chained to Israel. God changed their names, but the real miracle was God changed their nature. God turned Saul from a Christian hater and one who chained Christians to a trophy of his victorious grace. I love that song that says, Miraculous, the change in one, redeemed through Calvary. God can do what no other man can do. Paul went from madman to minister, from persecutor of the church to planner of churches, which leads me to the last point. He turned into a Christian who was impossible to stop. In Acts chapter 26, Paul is testifying before King Agrippa and he says in verse 19, 
Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first, and those in Jerusalem, and in all the region of Judea, and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple complex and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I've obtained help that comes from God, and I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing else than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that as the, f- and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. And here's Paul before King Agrippa now. It's Paul who's wearing the chains. Standing before King Agrippa, testifying of Jesus, knows he can be killed for his faith, but he is in chains. I remember sometimes being discouraged when I prayed for people who I thought were impossible. Ever been there? But God has had to remind me, and I wanted to remind you today, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. God can do what no other power can do. Something struck me one day, and I still remember it to this day. I was just a new chaplain at the St. Lawrence Psychiatric Center, and I was doing a group with the kids, and I was telling the story of the woman at the well in words that kids could understand, and I I was telling about this woman who had been married five times, and she was living with a man that wasn't married, and how Christ forgave her. And I'll never forget this one little Afro-American girl raised her hand, still remember her name. It started with a D. And she said, Pastor Paul, are you saying that if I was the millionth time worse sinner, that God could forgive me? Oh, the things that are impossible with me are possible. We all are human, and sometimes we can get discouraged in praying over that person that we've prayed for for so long. We all feel that way. But Paul reminds us in his own words before the worship team sings. I love this passage in 1 Timothy, verses 15 and 16. This is a true saying. And everyone should believe it. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I was the worst of them all. But that is why God had mercy on me, so that Christ could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. That impossible person you're praying for, 
God has been patient with him too. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. King Agrippa blurted out, Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And what was Paul's reply? I wish, King Agrippa, that you were not only almost, but altogether a Christian as I am. Well, except these chains. <laughs> Let's believe God for what's possible with him. Amen.
God can take the things that seem impossible in our own lives, the areas we struggle with, and he can bring deliverance and freedom and joy. Those things we thought we could never do when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he said, Moses, I picked you to go down to Egypt. He said, I, 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 I can't, can't talk, Lord, I, I, I can't. God can do anything. My encouragement to you is to just say one word to God. Yes. Yes, Lord. You can do what no other power can do in my life. Next week, or the next time I'm here on, I think, March 19th, if I remember right, or thereabouts. I'm going to preach a message uh, that I've used in several churches, how to move from hurt to healing. Ever been hurt in your life? Ever had hurt in your church? How to move from hurt to healing. And uh, if you've been in the area and you've heard me preach this message before, you just see me and I'll give you a pass. You, you can but I've added, uh, can add 
an illustration or two to it, I believe God wants to bring great things to his church. And it's so good to see each one of you today. You're all important to this church. This week, my wife and I were putting a puzzle together and we get all done and you know how many pieces we're missing? The typical one. Didn't the Bible say something about, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together? And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Every one of us is important to the church. We're like that, each a piece, we interlock with each other. We need each other, church, don't we? So I'm looking forward to seeing you again. And uh, God can do the impossible and he wants to do it in our lives. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for finding us just where we're at. You know us. You love us. You want to resurrect new hope, new joy, new faith in our life, and we can't wait to see what you're going to do. We're praying for a new pastor for this church. We're believing you for great things in the days ahead. And until then, we want to be a part of your great church that will one day celebrate a homecoming in heaven like no other. We love you, Lord. Go before us into a new week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.